I'm the director of Shamanah Ministries, that's Camp Shamanah, and then uh, Rock Ridge, our camp up in Ely, uh, Minnesota, and then supposedly a whole bunch of English language camps around the world. That ain't happening this year. Uh, that uh, has to take a pause, but we're still working on, on preparations and plans uh, for 2021. <clears throat> um, I've been keeping up with the live stream, and, uh, and as we go through this Odyssey of Forgiveness, as Pastor Steve titled it, this story on the life of Joseph, and uh, it has been so refreshing for me. I mean, I know the story of Joseph, known it since, you know, little Sunday school days. But to be able to, to, to recount it again uh, has just been, been so encouraging, as, as Pastor Brent and Pastor Dave and Pastor Jordan have so ably uh, walked us through those, those uh, different passages. If you haven't been with us uh, for a while, like I said, you know the story of Joseph. We've, uh, last week, Jordan brought us to that point where... Joseph got to express forgiveness to his brothers and that whole celebration there. And now today, chapter 46 and 47, uh, we, we get to look at the aftermath of that. The, the, the forgiveness has happened, the m- momentous occasion, and now we get to see the, uh, the, how the story unfolds after that. And we're reminded again of what Pastor Steve told us from the very first Sunday we started this. It is more a story about God. It is less a story about Joseph or Jacob and more a story about God. We get to see how God's been working through this whole thing here. And we we learn a lot about the family of Jacob. And uh, it's kind of a messed up family. And I hope that gives you hope. When I look at my family, I go, oh, yeah. I'm. In fact, we told all of our girls from the very beginning as we were raising them, we told them, look, we're going to mess you up. It's just kind of the job of a parent, and uh, just be aware of that uh, going forward. It's a messed up family, but God uses them, and that gives me hope uh, for my family. Just as sort of a, a, an extra, in preparing, you know, as we've been walking through these uh, chapters, in preparing for my part of it, I discovered that there is an ancient Egyptian text called the Eloquent Peasant. And it chronicles the same story of Joseph. It is just fascinating that this story of Joseph is also corroborated in extra-biblical texts. And uh, I've been madly working on uh, Amazon and eBay to try to find those, those texts and I've uh, been uh, coming up with some stuff but empty on most. But it's, uh, it's an amazing story. And in chapter 6 now, where Jacob has learned, chapter 46, where Jacob has learned my son is alive after all these years and he's going to set out on the journey I love the first four words of chapter 46. So Israel, or Jacob, that's his his other name, so Israel set out. You know those people that text you or on Facebook or something. Everything is in capital letters and there's a period after each word. I put an explanation point after each one. You know, they're, they're trying to emphasize so 
Jacob set out. Can you imagine all the emotion and energy that is wrapped up in those four words? The anticipation of old man Jacob that he is going to see his son again who he thought was dead. Oh, oh, how, how much joy must have been in that. Imagine, well, you've all had times, I'm sure, where you're, you know you're going to go see somebody that you haven't seen for a long time, and you're really looking forward to it, and grandkids getting to go to grandma and grandpa's, you know, they're looking forward to it. You getting to see a son or a daughter that now lives in another part of the country, and you get that anticipation. Imagine all the more for Jacob, who thought his kid was dead, I'm going to see him again. I had sort of a, a similar story, not near that dramatic, but I remember way back in sixth grade, uh, way back, uh, we, we grew up in Eden Prairie, back when it was mostly prairie, and grew up uh, and, and had the world's greatest sixth grade teacher. I mean, he was phenomenal, and he was one who loved Jesus, and that came out in his teaching and working with us sixth graders. We did amazing things in his classroom that no other classroom got to, got to get to do. And so I, he, boy, he was just a foundational figure in my memory going forward and all of the schooling after that. And it wasn't until after college, in fact, it wasn't until after we came to Camp Shamanah that I was sort of remembering him. And... And just thinking, boy, I would love to see him again, just to let him know the huge influence he was on in so many of our lives. And, but uh, surely, I mean, he's, he's long gone. I'll never get that opportunity. And then one day, checking kids in uh, to camp, I noticed uh, one of the campers had the same last name. It was not a real common name at all. And I just commented, oh, I had a sixth grade school teacher uh, with the same name. And she said, oh, my great-grandpa was a sixth-grade school teacher. I said, oh, really? That's, well, that's cool. I said, yeah, but that, that was a long time ago. I grew up in Eden Prairie. And she said, you know, I think it was in Eden Prairie. What? Really? And did some research. And, well, I, like I said, I was assuming he was dead. And I, I told her, you know, I, I, man, I wish I had the opportunity to tell him how great a teacher was. She said, well, why don't you call him? I I, I can. And so we did get in contact. And for a number of months before he passed away, for a number of months, we were able to get together for a meal and just recount all of that and, and, and learn what God had taught him in the ensuing years that, that we hadn't been together and my getting to express uh, to him. We were actually going to write a book together. Uh, never got that opportunity. So Jacob just has this anticipation. Now, some of you older ones amongst us, okay, like me, you can think back to times when we had, we had more times of those longer absences as someone goes off to war, as someone travels, and we don't have phones and internet that can be in constant contact with them. You, you know, dur during this, this uh, corona time, there's a whole bunch of us in ministry that have learned to hate Zoom meetings. We do so many. 
But you know, 40 years ago, boy, what a blessing that would have been to be able to see the faces and hear the voices of those that we love that are a long ways away. Um, yeah, it would have been a blessing, even though now I look at it as a curse. So Jacob goes on a journey, which is a great metaphor for you, where you and I ought to be. We are on a journey. In a sense, we're all on this same journey, and the reunion is in heaven. We have that to look forward to. Oh, if you're, if you're less than 30, you have no idea. You don't understand this. The rest of us over 60s, we understand heaven is so much closer and so much better. So looking forward to it, to that reunion. We are on a journey as well, and I hope we have the same anticipation, the same excitement, the same desire to reach to the end of that journey and to be able to celebrate those reunions. It's just a great metaphor. Now we learn, as Jacob is, is about to set out, we learn two things. We learn, one, that God had a plan, and two, that Jacob learns to worship. God had a plan, and Jacob learns to worship. You see, uh, you can see it in, in just right away in verse 2 of chapter 46. Jacob stops at Beersheba. This is a super holy place to his family. Jacob stops there and he is seeking God's confirmation of God. Is this the right thing? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And God gives him that confirmation. But what it points out to me is that Jacob is a changed man. For Jacob to have stopped and consulted, God, is this what you want me to do? That is not the historic Jacob. Jacob was one that took matters into his own hands, learned it from his mother, took matters into his own hands, and I can handle this, I can take charge. And now we see him consulting with God. God, is this the right thing to do? And Beersheba is a holy place. It's where, where his grandfather Abraham uh, had, had made a treaty with Abimelech that brought them a number of years of peace. It's, it's a place where uh, his father Isaac had done the same thing, extending that peace. Uh, it's a place where Isaac worshipped and built an altar, and all of the surrounding nations understood that, oh, Isaac and that family, they're something different. They are a blessed people. Uh, so it's, it, it's a special place. And that's where Jacob goes. And along with the confirmation that his trip is right, his journey is right, he gets to hear again the promise that God made to Abraham and Isaac. He gets to hear again that I am going to make you a great nation. Verse 2, And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night, and he said, Jacob, Jacob, here am I, he replied, for I am, I am God, the God of your father. And he said, Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you. Oh, man, that had to be, that had to be such confirmation and, and, uh, a sense of peace. Uh, 
before Jacob. But did you catch that promise? I will make you a great nation. I mean, this is third generation. I mean, the promise, okay, good things happened with Abraham, but they're not a real huge nation. Uh, some good things happened with Isaac, but they're not really a great big nation. And now here it is, the third generation. I will make you a great nation. Okay, God, are you sure? I mean, poor Jacob didn't know the rest of the story. You and I do. We can read it. Poor Jacob doesn't know that, yeah, and by the way, while you're down there, eventually you're all going to be imprisoned. And, and you're going to be slaves. And it's going to be terrible. Um, and yet, God's promise is there. I think... Um, Maybe it's best that Jacob didn't know the whole story. Maybe he wouldn't have gone. But he knew this much of the story. God made a promise, I'm going to follow. And you know what? That's all we need. Maybe it's better that we don't know the whole story. Yeah, but God, I, I, I really want to know. And boy, then I'll be able to follow you because I'll know the whole plan. No, you won't. Um, John Cavanaugh was a, uh, an ethicist, there we go, that wrote for uh, New York Times and several other East Coast papers and had written several books, been on lots of TV shows over the years. A number of years ago, when the brilliant ethicist John Cavanaugh uh, went to work for three months at the House of the Dying in Calcutta, he was seeking cl a clear answer as to how to best spend the rest of his life. And on the first morning there, he met Mother Teresa. And she asked him, and what can I do for you? And Kavanaugh asked her to pray for him. What do you want me to pray for, she asked. And he voiced the request that he had borne thousands of miles from the United States. Pray that I have clarity. And she firmly said, no, I won't pray that you do that. And when he asked her why... Uh, she said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. And when Kavanaugh commented that she always seemed to have clarity he longed for, she laughed and said, I have never had clarity. What I've always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. And that's what Jacob had to do. Jacob is a changed man. And that is what we need to do. This is what God has promised I'm going to move forward not knowing the whole story. Now, Pharaoh, when they got down there, Pharaoh treated them really well, but part of the reason, they, there was a famine, and so God used that. God used the, you know, the, the sale of Joseph a long, long time ago to, to make everything ready for his family to come down. God used all of that. And now he's going to continue to use something about uh, the Israelites that maybe they don't understand about themselves. Uh, Egyptians aren't real fond of shepherds. Uh, they kind of disdain them. Shepherds are kind of dirty and full of a lot of poop. And so Pharaoh is very generous and he gives them the land of Goshen 
to uh, settle in and to put all their flocks in. Partly because it's a good fertile land, be great for, for sheep, but also it's kind of a ways away. It's on the outskirts of Egypt. You guys, so glad you're here. Joseph, really? This is your family? Why don't you guys go settle up there? So God used uh, all these things leading up to protect his family, and he's still protecting his family by using uh, this disdain that the others had for them. Put them in a place where for a long time they can prosper and expand and be protected from the Egyptian ways. I'll never understand all of God's plan, but I don't need to understand to be obedient. And, 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 and that's the message of Proverbs. You go through the Proverbs and it tells us, okay, do this, and the man that'll do this will have, and do this. And I always want to know, well, why? Why, God? Why should I? But Proverbs says, no, 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 no. Obedience comes before understanding. And it's a good reminder. We get to see it played out right here in the life of uh, Jacob and his clan. There's a couple of side notes that happen as we look uh, further into, uh, as we get into chapter 47. But there's a couple of uh, side things, side notes. One is about forgiveness, and one is about etiquette. One's about forgiveness, one side note is about etiquette. That seems a little strange. About forgiveness, I want to note that Jacob was not the only changed man at the end of chapter 46. Jacob was not the only changed man in the story. So was Judah. Because look what Jacob does. As they get near, they send Judah on ahead as sort of the emissary, the representative of the family to find out from Joseph, okay, where, what are the details? Where should we go? Where, uh, what should we do when we get there? And they send Judah. Jacob sends Judah on ahead. And Judah, as you've heard from uh, previous chapters and speakers, Judah is not the kind of guy I would pick to represent my family. Judah is a piece of work. Judah's really messed up. He's the one that had the great idea. Oh, rather than kill Joseph, if we sell him, we'll actually get a little benefit. Judah's the one that has a fairly pornographic experience. Judah's the one that is known as, as, as the rebel and the bad guy. But remember from previous services, Judah is the one that begs to save the life, uh, or to, to, to not keep there in Egypt, Benjamin. Judah's the one that begs with Joseph, though he doesn't know who he is, begs, let me take, take Benjamin's place. Please, please, for the sake of my father, let me. Judah is a changed man as well. And he's the one that they send on ahead to, uh, to, to be the representative of the family. Now, i got to tell you something. I'm not good at redemption stories that aren't my own. There are, and maybe this is a good reminder for this weekend coming up, there are people that I kind of hold their past against them. No, there's no way. No way God could redeem them. Oh, there's no way I could forgive what they did. Oh, they haven't changed. 
I do that to people. And I see again that God changes people, and Jacob and Judah are two great examples. That's a sermon for another day. The second thing is, is about etiquette. Look at how Joseph treats Pharaoh. Now, Joseph is in charge of everything. I mean, I don't think he needed permission from Pharaoh to set up his family in the land of Goshen. In fact, that's his plan all, the, all along, but he still goes to Pharaoh and asks permission. Hey, Pharaoh, this is my idea. What do you think? And you know what? I think that's great advice. Like I said, this is a side note. But as believers, in our positions in employment, we need to make sure we are not taking advantage of things. We need to be known as people of integrity and people who work hard. That's one of the things that we, we push at camp all the time for our kids is, hey, you got to work hard. Don't stop. And it's so fun to hear when, when they uh, are past camp age and working at camp that they're in, in careers somewhere. We hear back from them all the time that, Herb, this is amazing. This is so easy. They only make you work eight hours a day. <laughs> well, yeah. You better squeeze ten hours into that eight hours. We want you to be these incredible examples. And you better give deference where deference is due. Don't assume too much. I've, uh, I've been working hard on that these last few months as the government has come and shut us down March, April, May, June. Last week was our first week of overnight campers that we were legal to do, and that at a reduced rate. We have a notebook about an inch and a half thick of government regulations, and it's all single-spaced as we go through and try to find, okay, that we can do this, we can't do that. We can do this on Tuesdays. We can't do it on Friday if it's cloudy. We can't, you know, it's just... And I tell you what, it's real easy to get cynical, you know. Oh, for crying out loud, those bunch of political idiots don't have any idea what they're doing. No, wait. Wait, Herb. You have to give honor where honor's due. I have to be a man of integrity and demonstrate for our staff that, you know what, this is what we've been dealt, and we will do everything we can to follow them to the best of our ability. Um, Joseph gives Pharaoh the respect that is due to Pharaoh. That's our two side points. The, the, the last thing that we get to see towards the end of uh, uh, chapter 47, right at the end, um, we get the whole story of how they settled uh, in the land of Goshen and, and uh, how Jacob lived in Egypt for 17 years in verse uh, 26, 28, for 17 years. Have you noticed I've been doing this? Yeah, my glasses are in the bottom of a lake somewhere. Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years in the year, uh, and when the time drew near for Israel to die, Jacob, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, if I found favor in your sight, promise me, make a solemn oath, that you'll bury my body in, in the homeland. 
And then the last sentence. Um, after Joseph promises that, Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Jacob's about to die. He gets this promise from Joseph. And then it ends with, and Jacob worshipped as he leant on, leaned on his staff. And there's a whole, your version may uh, say something just a little bit different about the top of his bed and that sort of a thing. The whole picture, though, all of that means that he bowed in worship. Jacob's last act, well, almost his last act, as we'll find out next week, he, he actually lives for two more chapters. It really drew out this death scene in, uh, in the story. But his last, at the end of his life, what he was known for was he was a man of worship. Jacob's last act was to worship. It's interesting, I think, that that's put into the record. And it does give me pause to wonder, what will my family write into my record? Yeah. Man, I hope, I hope it's like, it's like Jacob. Man, Grandpa knew how to worship. Wouldn't that be a great thing to be known for? I, I know there are other things that some old guys can be known for. <laughs> oh, man, they like to complain. Oh, man, they held political views that no way would they listen to anything else. Man, they were stingy, lived through the Depression, and they were just stingy all their life. Yeah. <sighs> I hope your grandchildren and my grandchildren can say about me that, man, Grandpa knew how to worship. My father-in-law is 92. Uh, he was a businessman all of his life, had a construction company, and yet he's one of the finest theologians I've ever met. He's not known for his construction company. He's known as, boy, if you want to understand a passage, give Ron a call, because he's a man of the book, and he knows God's word. He's a great theologian. But Jacob learned how to worship. It took him a long time. All right, Jacob's a slow learner. So are you. I meant me. I meant to say me. So am I. Jacob's a slow learner, but his reputation changed. He's a man who consulted God. He was a man who knew how to worship, and that's what gets written into the record. Jacob shows us that it's not too late. You can change. You got some old habits that die hard, but you can change as you seek God, following His whatever little step He revealed, not concerned about how it all plays out in the end, but this is what God is calling me to do today. And that changes Jacob's reputation. It's never too late to catch a glimpse of God and have Him change your life. That's my prayer all of us. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that Jacob and his family have been such good examples to us, not of our story, but of how you work. 
Father, I thank you that no matter how long it's been, no matter what sort of habits we have, that even as old people, we can change our reputation and be known as men and women who love Jesus above all else. And Father, for those that are on the younger end, pray that they would be faster learners than me and that they would early learn to worship at the feet of Jesus. In your name, amen.